Welcome to Wizard of Whiskey, the podcast dedicated to the hedonist lifestyle. I have a very special guest today, Kathy Hoyha, author of Hungry for Wine, Seeing the World Through the Lens of a Wine Glass. How are you today, Kathy? I'm so good. Thanks for having me, Justin. Absolutely. Pleasure is all mine. So tell us a little bit about the book. The book, oh, Hungry for Wine, is this really fun um this really fun this really fun document really, this really fun document of a life in wine, um, my life in wine, starting from how I really first got into it, um, which was simply because I like the way it tastes. Um, I like what happens when I drink it, and I like what happens when the people around me are drinking it. That's sort of how it started. Um, and then I take the reader through 12 bottles of wine, and what it took to bring those bottles to the table. And then I wrap up in the conclusion with um, sort of the moral of the story, which is to just drink the stuff. Just drink it. You know, there's a lot to be said for, for thinking about wine and being all cerebral about wine, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is to just drink it and to just drink what you like. So that's sort of the, the overview of the book. Um, but I really, it's it's about the... Uh, the, the writing that I've done as I am a journalist uh, for Forbes, I've been writing for Forbes online about the business and the politics of the wine industry for more than two years now. And most of the research for the book uh, was done when I was on the various trips um, that I have taken in order to create content. Um, and that's everywhere from, from Portland, Oregon to Napa, to New Zealand and Tasmania, to Lebanon, to Turkey and South Africa, and Italy, and lots of places in between. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, it's a, it's a fantastic book. Um, it uh, it really speaks to the stories behind, as you mentioned, the stories behind the bottle. Um, it's very easy just to walk into a store these days, a grocery store, a wine shop, liquor store, some of the big uh, retailers, uh, and pick up a bottle of wine. But most people don't know um, the story behind that bottle. Everything has uh, um, has a story and a, and a unique uh, presence in this world. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's a really great book, and I appreciate you taking that uh, taking that perspective. Thank you. And it was really um, because I write for a non-wine audience. Uh, the people who, who, who read what I put out there, for the most part, um, are not, are not quote-unquote wine people. And so I'm constantly looking for ways to make uh, what I want to say interesting to the reader. Um, and what that means is that I'm looking at things like, um, like entrepreneurs in the wine industry. I'm looking at things like um, like business and innovation, and I'm looking at things like like labor, and who actually harvests the grapes, who picks the grapes that go into the bottle that's sitting at your table. Um, that was one of the most um, one of the most amazing insights to me from the travel that I've done for for this for this work. Um, is a it's a question that, that I ask everywhere I go: is who harvests your grapes? And the answer has just gotten right to the heart of so many of so many questions like you know migrant workers and um, sort of demographic shifts and women and men 
and um, succession plans for you know these really ancient estates in Europe who frankly are are not so sure what's going to happen in the next couple of generations because in some cases wine is just not as much of a doesn't have the appeal um, kind of further into the family line as it as it once did um, and so it really um, allows me sort of seeing the world through the lens of that wine glass allows me to engage um, all kinds of questions like that. Excellent, excellent. Um, so we had talked about uh, kind of going through the book in a series for the podcast. Do you feel like going into to chapter one today? I'd love to. I'd love to. Right. Great. Um, I'll let you take it from here. Let us uh, tell us a little bit about uh, this unique story about uh, kind of just living in the wine moment, if, if, I'm, if I'm paraphrasing correctly. Yeah, chapter one is about um, how to live your wine life with no regrets. And it started in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, when I was a graduate student. And I lived the last year um, that I lived in Boston um, with, a, with a professor of psychiatry. He was a very older man. He was, I think, maybe 84 when I met him. And he was a, he was a widower. And he had recognized... Um, because he's a psychiatrist and has worked in mental health his whole life, he recognized that he was becoming um, isolated. And so he put up a posting in uh, the housing office, the university housing office. I was in graduate school. And, um, and I responded to it. And basically my, my job was to, was to open the door once a day, a couple times a day, and, and, and talk to him and sort of engage with him and so that there was another, another being, another presence in the house. And eventually, um, he came to show me his wine collection. And his wine collection was, and was sort of shaped by uh, a woman named Francoise. And Francoise was clearly someone that my friend, I call him the young man, um, just tongue-in-cheek, um, that my friend had some serious affection for. And at one point in their lives, this was probably in the 1970s, maybe 1980s, um, she had gotten in the practice of bringing him wine. Um, apparently not wine that, that they were going to drink every single time. Um, but he had this collection of really beautiful Bordeaux wine from the 70s and early 80s. Um, and this... So he, he took me down to his cellar, and it wasn't like it was elaborate. It wasn't at all. It was basically a closet in sort of one part of the cellar, you know, hidden behind boxes that hadn't been moved for 25 years, whatever. Um, and he would, he, it was, but it was still locked. He would, he unlocked the, unlocked the, the door, and he pulled out the bottles sort of one by one, and he would tell me how Francoise, um, presented that bottle to him and what he could remember about what she said. And then every time he would slide the bottle back into its place on the shelf. And he would do this over and over again um, as we went through his collection. And I kept waiting for him to say, you know, this. oh, let's open this one tonight. Or let's open that one tonight. But he never did. He never did. He kept putting them, putting them back in their place. And then eventually he, you know, he got through it and closed the door and locked it, and we went back upstairs. 
And I remember as I as I left his house that night, um, feeling really sad. Uh, first, because he clearly missed Francoise, and he clearly missed what she was in his life. Um, but he also wasn't ready to open any of the bottles, and so he also missed drinking these bottles when they were at their prime, so to speak. Um, and it was as though opening a bottle and drinking it would somehow betray what Francoise was to him. It would somehow kind of kind of let her let her escape sort of into into his memory. Um, and he and he just wasn't ready to do that. He was never ready to do that. He never opened those bottles. He passed away a couple of years ago, and he never opened those bottles. And I remember thinking, I just promising myself that I would never live with the regret of not opening a bottle, um, because it was just wasn't the right occasion, quote unquote, or or whatever, I, I would make the right occasion. I would create the right occasion if it meant opening a bottle to share with friends. Um, that's sort of the kind of the, the kernel, the, the nugget of what Chapter One is about, is um, how how to how to do that, how to how to live your wine life with no regrets, um, even if it means creating the occasion rather than just waiting for the special occasion to um, to sort of creep up on you. Um, all those special occasions, as my friend, you know, his, his over the course of his life, he said all those special occasions seem to have passed him by, and I just I promised myself that I that I never would I never would do that. Um, and every chapter in the book, uh, is, as, as we said, is about a particular bottle, and um, and there are tasting notes about that bottle. So I I spent a long time tracking down. Um, one particular bottle that he had pulled out for me that night that we did not open. Um, so I had to track them down myself. <laughs> and it was a bottle of 1982 Rosanne Gassis, I believe. Um, and I, for the purpose of writing this book, I really wanted to write a tasting note on it. Um, but it's, it's an old wine from, from a good producer. Um, but the bottles, we could only find three bottles and had to bring them back from Europe and sort of this very big, very big process. Um, but I was determined to, to try these wines and to not regret not trying them. So um, we had, we left one of the bottles with, um, with my family in Europe and brought two back, two back home to the U.S. And both of them were, um, had, were in the same condition. But it turns out that both of them were, were corked. Both of them, the corks had actually disintegrated, completely disintegrated. And so they were, um, they were obviously, you know, un, undrinkable. You could barely get the wine out because we even put the cork through in, and, and it just, and the cork just crumbled. So it was even kind of more reinforcement of, of the idea and the lesson to, um, to, to drink it while you can and to not wait too long because because wine wine is a living thing wine wine you know is, is wine wants to be lived wine wants to be shared wine wants to be enjoyed while it's while it still can while it's still good um, and just writing that chapter and also writing the tasting note for that chapter was really poignant um, in that sense and it just uh, reinforced for me why I would 
why I'm a, I'm a wine drinker. I'm not a collector. I'm a wine drinker. And that's the way that I prefer to live my wine life. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, Kathy, where, uh, where can people find the book, and how can people follow you on uh, social media? Yeah. So, um, so the book's available on Amazon. Um, it's available on hard copy or um, an ebook, and it's also available as an audio book. This was a really fun thing that um, that we decided to do was record uh, the book, and, and I read it um, as a um, as an audio book, partly because of the popularity of podcasts like this one. Um, so fortunately, it's a it's a short read and a fairly short listen as well, um, and you can take it kind of in in small in small chunks at a time. It's, each chapter is meant to be kind of self-contained. Um, so you can find it on Amazon. My website is also just my name, so Kathy Hoyha, C A T H Y H U Y G H E, dot com, and I'm on. That's exactly my Twitter handle as well, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram too. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to uh, to hearing about the rest of the book um, and having you on uh, for, for the continued series. Um, I appreciate your time today. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Chapter two next time, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Chapter two next time. Great. Absolutely. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. To finish up this episode, we're going to play an audio clip from the audio version of Hungry for Wine. This is Kathy Hoyha's introduction of why she wrote the book. Some people see the world in a grain of sand. I see it in a glass of wine. My relationship to wine, my hunger for it, started out simply enough. Back in 2007, I started drinking wine because it just tasted good. Introduction. Hungry for wine. Some people see the world in a grain of sand. I see it in a glass of wine. My relationship to wine, my hunger for it, started out simply enough. Back in 2007, I started drinking wine because it just tasted good. I liked that I felt good when I drank a glass or two, and I especially liked how people opened up when we drank it together. That, I have come to see, was the hook. Wine helped me get to know people. People like my friends, who I wanted to know better. People like new friends who I wanted to include in my circle of relationships. And totally unknown people in far-off places, too. People I imagined had a way to their lives that somehow included the simple, uncomplicated pleasure of wine. These were the people I wanted in my life, so I set out to invite them there in the way I knew how. By writing. <laughs>